Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, it's Neil I from The Vergecast. On this week's interview, we've got the one and only Neil Young. That's right, Neil Young, the rock star. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think I pissed him off a little, but in like a, a good way, in a good way. Neil just wrote a book with longtime tech executive Phil Baker called To Feel the Music, which was about their quest to build a Pono music player and make high-res audio happen. We talked about his feelings on the tech industry, why music sounds worse now. I pushed him a little bit on some of his ideas about why music sounds worse now that had what I would say the expected outcome. But mostly he told me that he really just wants people to listen to great sounding music, which how can you fight that? Honestly, it was a great conversation, a lot of energy, a lot of fun. He's Neil Young. Check it out. Neil Young and Phil Baker, welcome to The Vergecast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks. Neil, let's start with you. You have been working on, uh, obviously, music for a long time, but in particular, increasing the quality of music for a long time. Uh, and you've just written a book with Phil called To Feel the Music about that process, about making the Pono. What inspired you to get into the sort of the tech side of this world? Well, I live in it. I, I, it's, it's what I do. I, I, there's, I've always been in it. So uh, I, I've... Uh, you might say I'm inspired to try to save the sound of music from technology. I, I appreciate that. So a uh, challenge I have as a reviewer, as somebody who writes about music, who uh, Vergecast listeners know I care a lot about audio quality and music gear. Uh, you know, with, with TVs, I can just count the pixels. With phone screens, I can say, look, it's sharper. With cameras, I can say, look, the photo's clearer. Audio seems more subjective even though it isn't it's much harder to convince people that that there's tiers of quality i, I have found is there a way that you think about it or you talk about it or that you think people should be listening to understand the differences here because that that to me is the foundational problem of the, of the whole thing okay there is a way but you have to associate visuals with uh, with audio so that you can make the comparison for instance, if for instance, if you're watching uh, a show on, uh, say, you know, like uh, Hulu or Netflix or you know, whatever, one of these shows that's on, uh, you know, streamed, and you're yeah. and you're watching it, and uh, and where you the place you're at watching it, you notice every once in a while it gets really fuzzy looking. It's like you know, it's not clear, and then it comes back. You know what streaming looks like when it, on 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 a screen? 
Yep. How it gets, uh, you know, like very soft and kind of like uh, fuzzy looking and not really there. And then, it, yeah. and then eventually the signal improves and it comes back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, when the signal signal improves and comes back to perfect, that's where we were up until the digi digital age began. Okay. Basically, that's where everything was at. Analog was all there. It was everything was clear like that. Now, if you take the softest looking thing, that's where we're at now. That's where Spotify is. That's where Apple Music is. That's where these uh, the streaming companies are streaming the lowest common denominator of quality to avoid having dropouts. Uh, so I agree with you. I think the question I have is, what should people be listening for? With a screen, I can tell them what to look at. I can point at it. You can't tell them what to listen for or go, what you, know, you can't do that. It's a personal thing. You have to feel it. That's why it's hard to explain, because it's a feeling. Uh, when you put on a phonograph and you listen to a, an old record that was made all from analog and it's coming over a vinyl record player or something uh, equivalent to that, like a super high res in digital, which isn't even as isn't even equivalent, but it's best, the best we have. When you when you listen to music and you hear it, all of it, that's what it is. It makes your body feel different. It makes your your senses. It wakes you up, and it makes you feel what's going on. That's what's missing. If you take all of that away, that's where we are. So I read the book, and the argument here that you're making, just to make it a little bit more accessible for audience, is... I don't want to argue about what's accessible for the audience. If the audience wants to hear music, they haven't had a chance if all they're doing is listening to Spotify. So there's no way they could ever know. They could not know. I have the ability to talk to you from a long time ago and now because I'm like three quarters of a century old, okay? So I can still remember when everything sounded great. But now it's been a long time since everything has sounded great. So none of the people that you're trying to convince have anything to relate to. How can they relate to it? They don't even know what we're talking about. The thing is that people who were there know that it was really a lot better. And now it, what we have is Music is basically a content deliverable. It is wallpaper. It's the background. It's the sound of a ringtone. It has nothing to do with the quality of a top-notch recording developed by artists in the studio so that a musician or singer or someone can, can emote and you can actually feel it. That's what's gone. So there's no comparison. You can't ask somebody one of your one of your audience who may not have heard quality, they may have only heard what they think is great. And music is great. There's no doubt music is great. But the music that's out there today on Spotify and Apple is terrible. It's shitty. That's basically what it is. There's nothing there. It's like that part of your, when you're watching a streaming news show or something and it gets really fuzzy and then it comes back. Where the fuzziest thing that you see is what you hear all the time on Spotify. It's less than 5% of the digital masters of a high-res master, and a high-res digital master is truthfully just not as deep as an analog master. So we've come a long way into a dark hole. You know, you can't explain it. You can't, you can't say to people, well, what, what, do I, what should I look for? Because that's the quandary. There's the people that you're trying to convince have absolutely no idea what you're talking about.
where are they going to go to hear the difference? Well, so I mean, this, this was kind of my, one a question that I've been dying to ask you. So uh, there is a vinyl resurgence going on right now. I have a huge library of vinyl records. I have a vintage 70s Watt War amplifier, I, you know, the whole thing. And you see that resurgence. You see vinyl sales are steady to up. You see people are still interested in record players. Do you think that that is a valid comparison? you think people should be A-B testing that stuff to the digital stuff and they should hear it? Because then, because that stuff is so prevalent now, you might be able to say, well, you can feel it differently. Pay attention to this. And that's really what I was getting at. Okay, so if you, if you have a, rec a record that's a classic record that you know is great, that you have and you got the old record that was made then from the analog master, and then you go to Spotify or Apple and listen to the same exact song through the speakers that you're listening to your phonograph through, and the amp that you're, everything, you know, put it the same, just change the source that you're listening to, then you'll hear the difference. The thing is, going to new vinyl, you're, uh, you know, you're at the mercy of marketing gurus at record companies, which is, oh man, vinyl is happening, we gotta make it in vinyl. So they make it in vinyl from the master that actually made the CD. So you're listening to a digital master that may be, you know, like 20% of, of what it could be, and it's on vinyl. You're not gonna hear it. So that you gotta be very careful that you know what you're listening to. So if you wanna do these comparisons, you have to listen to an old vinyl record or one that has an actual provenance listed on it that shows you where that vinyl, where did that vinyl music come from? Because it's vinyl's just a reflection of something. It's instead of being a reconstitution like digital is ones and zeros going together to fool you into thinking you're hearing music. Whereas vinyl is a reflection of, of something that actually happened. Like Mount Shasta in Lake Shasta. You look at it on a perfectly calm day with no waves. You see a beautiful reflection of Mount Shasta in Lake Shasta. That's what analog is. That's the way records work. It's a reflection of the sound. So when you're listening to an uh, to a vinyl record that was made from a digital master that was used to make, you know, like Spotify or Apple or CDs or something like that, you'll never get the difference. So you got to be careful that you're not marketed into a hole by people going, "Oh, vinyl's great. Vinyl is great if what's put into it is great." So you have to be careful. Uh, you know, on my records, yeah. I list where they came from and everything, and they're, they're all analog masters. Many, but probably 80% are all from analog masters on my stuff, but that's not the way everybody is. They'll put out a vinyl version of a CD because they know that people like vinyl. Those people are getting ripped off. I hate to tell you that, but buying new vinyl, you have to be really careful what you're getting because it's just a ripoff. Yeah, there, there's nothing, actually, one of my biggest pet peeves uh, is badly mastered modern vinyl. You can hear it right away. The format is not well suited for the dynamic range of a, of a CD. So that kind of leads me to the next question, which is so many artists today write their songs on tour in a hotel room on a MacBook. They're not starting with the big analog studio. They're not starting with tape. They're starting digitally. Does that carry through? Is is that is it even worth it to talk about that the output format when you know it's teenagers in bedrooms writing hits right now? What's the problem with uh, teenagers in bedrooms writing hits? Well, they're, they're starting on their MacBooks, recording straight to MP3. Yeah, I know, but if that's what they want to put out as a record, that's a problem. 
Right, but I'm saying, look, I'm looking at the new 16-inch MacBook Pro, right? Apple gave me a review unit. They said, look at all the artists who use this thing with GarageBand to start, right? But you're saying that shouldn't be where recording starts. It's a piece of crap. Are you kidding? That's Fisher-Price quality. That's like Captain Kangaroo, your new engineer. <laughs> the MacBook Pro, what are you talking about? You can't, you can't get anything out of that thing. The only way you can get it out of it is if you put it in. And if you put it in, you can't get it out because the DAC is no good in the MacBook Pro. So you have to use an external DAC and do a bunch of stuff to make up for the problems that the MacBook Pro has. Because they're not aimed at quality. They're aimed at consumerism. That's what Steve Jobs told me. He told me that exact thing. We're making products for consumers, not quality. So they don't want audio quality. They want to spend a lot of time on that. Audio quality, for, for your reference and for anybody else that's listening, is, is deeper than visual quality. You can look at it, you can look at things and think you're seeing everything with a high res, whatever you're looking at in a picture, but true audio dimension is so deep. And there's so many, there's so much data there if you want to capture it all in the echo and the softness and the loudness and the difference as things are decaying and getting smaller and smaller as they go away. That's part of the beauty of, of sound and the beauty of music based on that is, is that you can hear all of the detail. Now, when you talk about doing that on a MacBook Pro, it makes me barf. <laughs> this is where we are. But I, I see so many artists. We talk to artists. We interview them, and they say, look, we, we did a, a video with a, a guy. Wanna, lots of Grammys, works for lots of people. And he's like, I assemble samples in the back of my car using my MacBook Pro. I love it. This is how music is made. I've never won a Grammy for music, so I wouldn't know about that quality. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, we, we talk to the people who are making the money, and they're like, I assemble samples in my MacBook Pro. It's not about money. It's not about hits. It's about quality, it's about sound, it's about museum quality, it's about the real thing, the facts, the real sound. What happened when you opened your mouth and sang? What went into the air? That's what we're not getting with the new technology. The older technology used to give you a reflection of it so that you could still feel it. Today, it's reconstituted, it's poorly sampled, it's, uh, it's garbage that has less bits to save people memory which is not even relevant anymore. We have so much memory, it's got to come out of our ears, yet we're still saving memory, saving quality to so we can store more crap. It's just, it's just we've gone down this bad street and we're way down it. So if you talk to somebody about quality and they're using anything from that, they're not going to hear it. They're going to hear today's quality and they may be great as far as today's quality goes, but to me that's just like it doesn't matter. So there are sounds that you maybe couldn't have gotten with analog, that you maybe couldn't have gotten with vinyl. I'm thinking a lot of the EDM today is sort of outside the dynamic range of pre-digital stuff. Something like the big 808 sound in hip-hop, a little bit farther afield of, you know, it's gotten louder and louder and louder. That stuff is a little bit farther afield of what analog could do. That, that stuff has really exploded with digital. Do you see that relationship between the kinds of music people are making and the tools, even if they are inferior, that enable them to do it? Well, here's, here, if you look at loudness, loudness is a function of less dynamics, okay? The louder something is, the less dynamics it has. If you take everything and make it all loud, nothing's soft. So when you do this compression thing and you make everything loud, like these records are made, and, that, and, and, and bless their pointed little heads, they're making great records, they're fantastic, it's the sound of the times, I got no problem with that. But 
I'm not from this time. I'm from a time when yeah. if you want to listen to a symphony orchestra, if you want to listen to a great acoustic guitar, you want to listen to somebody sing or a band play in a room together, you mean like it really happened? Not something that somebody built in their garage using a MacBook Pro. Not something like that, but a real piece of sound that was actually captured. That's the difference. And we're so far away from that now that to try to, for you to try to compare that and tell somebody what to listen to, it's like uh, asking somebody to go back like five generations or something. So it's, it's like not really realistic to think that you could explain this to someone who's only listened to Spotify and Apple. They'll never hear it. So it does seem, and you know, I was reading the book, and you, you talked about your interactions with Steve Jobs and the iPod and trying to get them to support the file formats. But it seems like with the iPod in particular, the acceleration towards convenience over quality just w went faster than ever. And that's still going. But there are these attempts. Like you know, Apple made the HomePod, which has all this like computer process beam forming. That's a bunch of bullshit. It's all math. The whole digital thing is math. All you have to do is look at the numbers and you can see there's no way it's ever going to have the detail. It's limited by its, by what it so is. So Apple in particular will tell me that they will never do uncompressed audio because they, they fully believe no one can hear it. Yeah, well, that's right. They can't hear it. So why should they believe anybody? They fully believe <laughs> no one can hear it? Yeah. I mean, I've asked them a bunch of times. You know, their title exists. Guess what Steve Jobs did when Steve Jobs went home from working at Apple with all the dickheads? You know what he did? He listened to vinyl. Yeah. The reason nobody can hear it is because nobody makes it. It's just not there. Have you ever have you ever worn AirPods in your life? Yeah, I've had those. The AirPods? What do you think? You mean uh, Apple's wireless headphones? Yeah. Uh, the wireless? What the fuck? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are the numbers? Well, so I, I I think AirPods sound horrible, and I, but this is actually leads of to a real they sound question. horrible. Just look at the numbers. They're starting with a low-res master and, and downgrading it to get it into those things. I, I'm only asking because I'm trying to lead to it. When you were putting out the Pono, you said your, one of your first ideas was we'll build a case for the iPod, right? We'll, we'll, or, or we'll build a case for the iPhone, and we'll, we'll do this thing, and then Apple limited you because of the connector, which is a real thing the whole industry faces. Now you've got an app. You can stream high-res from your website, but... Nobody can plug headphones into their uh, phones anymore. It's all Bluetooth, and Bluetooth is sort of necessarily compressed, particularly on Apple devices. There's no other way to get a, a Bluetooth codec in the mix. It's just whatever they want you to use, which is AAC. How do you win in that scenario? That's a losing scenario. Technology has crushed music quality, period. Everywhere you turn, you're fighting your way through. LG phones, really, they try, okay? They have a 192 yeah. DAC. They can play things back. They do the best they can. They're actually trying to do it in the digital realm. That's as good as you can get. If you get a good file from like one of the files that I have on my site or other people that have sites like mine or uh, Cobas or something like that or, or even the new, uh, under, great, under great circumstances, the new Amazon will give you everything. Thank God for, the, for them actually taking a step in the right direction rather than sitting in their big office in Silicon Valley and going, no one can hear it if it's not compressed. Who are those people? <laughs> they ought to stay in their offices in Silicon Valley and never come out. <laughs> they have had such a negative impact on the arts that it, it's, you, know, you can't have the arts if you don't have quality. You can't hear it. And most of the time, you can't see it. 
Like if you went to a movie and you looked at an old 35 millimeter print and you actually saw a movie and you saw something and then you saw the high-res uh, DVD or Blu-ray or whatever or high-res streaming of that same thing, you'd realize it doesn't even look the same. It's like all jacked up. That's, you know, they take the edges and make them clearer. They do all this stuff. It's like we're living in an age where if you can screw with something and make it different and tell people that it's better, then you got something you can sell. And that's what people do. But they're, what they need to do is leave everything alone and let people hear what happened. But we're past that now. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn, it's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline, because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I noticed as I was reading the book, you guys uh, worked with an engineer who was trying to build the master quality format. Didn't work out for y'all. That format's now used by Tidal. How do you think Tidal's doing? Uh, Tidal, you know, they're trying to do something good, but it doesn't sound that good to me. I, I, you know, it's, it's 44.1 generally across the board. It's CD quality. Every once in a while, they have higher quality than that that's gone through some program called MQA. Why do you need a program called MQA? Why do you need anything? Why not just put the whole file out there and let people listen to it? That was meant to try to save memory, which you don't need to save anymore. It's the 21st century. We don't have a memory problem anymore. All of these tiers, you know, like the 320, the 256, all this stuff was all built for ancient times. We're not there. 5G is right around the corner. I have to say, this is the most compelling argument for 5G I've heard yet, because uh, I hear a lot of them, and they don't sound any good to me. But do you think that's actually going to lead to a shift, that we're going to get 5G and Qualcomm's going to start streaming higher quality bitrate music to people? I don't know what they're going to do, but I know that Amazon and Cobas are streaming high-res to people now. Cobas uh, gets pure high-res out there. Amazon gets high-res out there to whatever the quality of your player is, and then they cut it off at that level. The thing is, at our place, at my site, we stream adaptive bitrate streaming 
which is it gets you all of the uh, all of the bits that can get to you through the air. So you know, like if it's in the air, you're going to hear it. If the if the bandwidth is high enough, you get all of it. It's all about bandwidth now, anyway. With digital and bandwidth, if you're streaming, it's got to be you know a great situation. If you're in a great situation, just like when you're watching MSNBC and you're streaming it, it's going to be clear. And you know the announcer is going to be clear. You're going to be able to see all of that stuff. But if you're in a rural area and the signal's not as clear, it's going to be real fuzzy. You're going to look at it. It's going to get fuzzy. Then it'll get clear. Then it'll get fuzzy. That's the same thing that's happening with music. It's fuzzy all the time. The digital thing is it, it, it's just inherently got huge problems. Even the best. Neil, let me ask you: Is that is that just a rule for you that analog is always superior to digital? Because I'm not sure I buy it. No, I don't. You know, it's I not mean, for I've listened sale. to some really bad analog audio in my life. Oh no, shit! <laughs> well, just I mean, that, I don't want you to get caught in that trap of saying that analog is always better because I don't. I don't know that's true. No, 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 no. Analog is not always better. I did not say that. I said analog is superior as a carrier to reflecting everything that happened. If you put a, a full 192, 24, or 32, or whatever file out there with everything digital has to offer today, and you have a, have a really good analog representation of the same thing, I would like the analog better because I like more warmth, and I like more depth, and I like more air in my music, and I like to hear all of it, not where it cuts off at 192. I want it all, as I can hear it. So, you know, maybe I'm an exception to the rule, but I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that all analog is good. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, I just I didn't want to you know, fall in that trap because I, I it's like the digitally mastered vinyl, right? Like there's a, it's an analog product, but it doesn't it doesn't to me it doesn't sound any good. You know, you can't be saved just because you have analog. That's not it. You've got to get good analog. You've got to get analog that came from a good place. Maybe not six generations down because Universal's uh, you know burnt all their records up by you know in their warehouse. Who knows what happened to the tapes? They're gone. You know, people are, you know, people are, are copying and copying and copying and putting those out now like they're, like they're, you know, analog masters. You know, analog masters disintegrate after a while. They start to, to uh, go away. So the, the, the thing about recorded sound is to get good analog masters and copy them to the highest resolution digital. And then uh, at least you have that. Is that happening? Yeah, in some cases. Record companies are doing that. I think Warner Brothers does it more than anybody. Uh, and people do want to do it. There's a lot of libraries in all of the major companies making records. They want, it. They want to do this. But uh, the cost of doing it is remastering and doing all this stuff. It's, it costs, you know, two or $3,000 a record to do it. They got hundreds of thousands, millions of records. You know, they might go broke. But... I say, you know, what are your 100 best-selling records that everybody of all time, what are the ones everybody's used to listening to that they loved? I, but I do want to push on, on, on this trade-off a little bit because I, I see both sides of it. Like I said, I, I spend a lot of money on records and analog equipment, and I could probably talk to you about that all day and all night. On the other side, what I see, what The Verge is about, is that technology democratizes creativity for people. So it is much easier to be an artist now and record your stuff and get it out in front of people than ever before in the history of music. You don't, need, you don't even need a label, right? And you're seeing the artist-label relationship change pretty dramatically. You're seeing the nature of what gets produced and how it gets popular change dramatically. 
the price of that is digital technology. And I'm just trying to get a sense of how you see that. Because I'm with you that it, everything sounds worse and that AirPods sound bad and that we consistently pick convenience over quality. I completely agree with you. But the benefit that I see is that a generation of artists did not have to go through any gatekeepers to reach their audience. What other choice did they have? I mean, they could re- they could release more high quality files. I mean, when I was in a band, we released we actually released like four different bundles of MP3s. Nobody listened to them because the band wasn't any good, but we did it. How would they do that? I mean, you're saying that Spotify and Apple are, are the gatekeepers, and that's that. No, I'm not. I didn't say that. You're talking about somebody creating art, being able to use all of the new things and create their records and everything. That's what you were talking about, not Apple and Spotify. But you're saying that they could make this, and it's great for artists where they have the tools, they can create these new records, they can do all kinds of things they couldn't do before. And that's true, they can. But uh, what choice do they have? Well, I'm saying culturally, do you think that trade-off is worth it? That, that's the real question, I think, at the heart of it, right? Is it, I don't we think lose so. some quality? Will we catch up to it over time because... Technology tends to advance that way. If technology is advancing that way, what's happening to audio? What happened? Technology has not advanced. Technology has regressed. There's nothing that compares with the way a sound is. The way we're reproducing it and all of the hoops you have to go through and all the playback devices are all limited. Bluetooth is limited. All of these things that everybody has are all limited. So you accept that you're living in a limited world. And I don't accept that. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's good. Well, more people were able to create. That's fantastic. I'm going, okay, fine. I was there when it sounded great, and I'm here now, and it doesn't sound great. So, well, I'm not going to pretend that it sounds great because I'm still here. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend it's great because many people can make records in their garages or in their house or in their car, wherever they want to do it. That, to me, that's great. It's fantastic, but it doesn't sound good. So obviously you got together with Phil, you made the Pono, you tried to push the market, you tried to get everybody involved. We were backwards. We came out at exactly the wrong time with Pono. We made the classic mistake. So Pono is not a good example other than the quality because Pono's DACs are fantastic. They sound better than anything that's out there now. Now the guys at Stereophile, when they, when they compare uh, what's happening now, they still compare it to the Pono player, which hasn't been out in like four or five years, whenever it was out. So, it, and that is a digital, you know, digital uh, uh, high point for sound, but it's not like, uh, it was backwards. It was a download system when streaming was just coming in. So, oh, yeah, great, we tried to make it great. And now, now we can do high-res streaming, which we didn't think we could do at the time when we were doing Pono, but we were wrong about that too. As if we'd have been very futuristically looking at things, we would have located people that can do high-res streaming. And the thing to do is to, is to make it as good as it can be so that when the rest of the playback world and capturing and everything and all the devices catches up and starts actually capturing quality and playing it back, that you still have created something that they'll be able to hear the difference on. If you dummy it down and go for something that's going to sound great on Apple today or, or anything, by the time you get finished and you get to the other end, you've just got a piece of crap that sounds like Apple today. <laughs> you can't make it yeah. any better because it's a piece of shit. You know, and that's where it's at. I mean, there are other high-end players now. There's the Astle and Kern. There's, you know, Sony makes some ridiculously expensive Walkman. But 
Phil, from your perspective, do you still see a, a market opening for a dedicated piece of hardware that that meets Neil's expectations? Well, I think there's other devices out there. Some of them cost as much as three thousand dollars, and I don't think they sound much better. They may have different features and have wireless and other sort of things, but there's good products out there, and you can download music today from a number of sources, and you can get good results, but I think it's only they're only playing to the audiophile market. Right. It's not an elitist thing. Good-sounding audio is not an elitist area. It used to be everybody heard it. The whole world heard quality. Now the whole world hears shit, and only audiophiles apparently, are able to find quality, which I don't believe even that. I'm just saying, call it what it is. It's just no good. You can debate and you can, at the verge, you can talk about all these different things that people can do and the devices that everybody has. And I'll just sit over here and I'll just say, they all sound like shit to me. (laughs) They do. And other people say, it sounds great. And I'll ask them, what have you compared it to? And if you look around at the marketplace today, it's very hard to find anything that compares, you know, that where you, that that is actually better than what the status quo is, because you you have to get through these dinky little devices to hear what's in it, uh, and all the playback and the Bluetooth and all this. Yeah, you, you know, I'm just not impressed with it. We're living in the age of technology, and audio sucks. Neil, what do you listen to at home? What's your what? what? Just for point of comparison, if I want to build Neil, Neil Young's setup, what do you what do you listen to at home? What I listen to at home is the least amount of stuff that I can find. You know, I liked uh, I liked Air's equipment. I got some great speakers that uh, Charlie Hansen turned me on to. Uh, I used to have a couple of pairs of those. Now I only have one pair. One of them burned in in a fire in Malibu that was apparently started by a digital network. No, just kidding. But but but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never hear anything about the fire originating from an analog net record. It never happened. Uh, <laughs> That's very technical. And then, those are your speakers. What's your turntable? What's my turntable? We got a couple of turntables. You know, basically, I use you know the kind of portable ones that you can just buy that are old ones. I'm trying to think about what my wife's, what the name of hers like is. A dual, yeah. we, I don't have a high buck big turntable thing. I don't. I use an analog amp, and I use a you know as le- the smallest amount of things that I can use between what I'm playing and what I'm hearing. The least yeah. amount of what devices I- possible. No conversions. None of that stuff. I don't. I don't like it. What uh, What year is your amp from? I don't know what year it's from. The bus you have a uh, NAD. Yeah, I have an NAD on the bus. Right. That's pretty good. I'm just. I'm just asking because you know. There's a part of me that wants to go home and buy exactly your setup so that I know, right? Like, I know what, what good sounds like to Neil Young. And there's a part of me that wants to tell people, like, look, you can go out and buy a, a – there's lots of good turntables out there, and there's lots of good analog speakers, and you can just pair them together and start. But, you know, the, that time – I read a lot of old, like, 70s and 80s audio reviews because they, they put me in a, a – uh, the right frame of mind for how to c- communicate now. And that stuff was just as subjective as anything, right? I mean, this is the era of gold-plated speaker wires or whatever. And I don't know that that was really valuable to people. I think people convinced themselves they were getting more than they were just because they were paying money. That's, that's where I started and that's where I want to end is 
you can feel it. Sure, I buy it. I, I felt it. But I still don't know how to instruct people on what they should be, what they're getting, right? Like, here's what it actually feels like. Here's what you should be paying attention to. Close your eyes and pay attention. Look for this. Listen for this. And I'm wondering after this, this conversation if you have a little bit more of a direct instruction. If you can feel it and you, and you think you're getting it, the only comparison you can make is an old record of a song that you really like, you get a good copy of it, play it back on a record player through an amp, take whatever player you have, play the current digital copy of that thing through it, put it through the same amp after you go through uh, uh, whatever things you're gonna have to go through digitally to get there, which are all crap. <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm like from another world, okay? You're, it's like I talk a different language. So I'm, I'm, I'm not into, uh, you know, gold speaker wires, all of that. I'm not into any of that stuff. I'm into just, it's just basic things. We don't want all these extra bells and whistles. Nothing is, is, is worse for music than attaching an elitist label to someone who listens to quality. We all used to hear quality all the time. Now it's gone. That's what happened. Uh, there's, there's no explanation for it. The, the, you know, the human race, we're supposed to make things better. Technology's supposed to improve your life. That's all bullshit. It didn't happen. With audio, it didn't happen. Even with pictures, it didn't happen. It's all about money, and it's all about selling you features. The more features you have, the less quality you have. If you get very simple and just play it back through something very simple, that's the best chance you have at hearing the kind of quality that I heard when I started making records and when I started listening to music. Everybody heard the same, the same thing. When I heard Bob Dylan doing, uh, uh, you know, Highway 61 or, or Subterranean Homesick Blues or something like that back in the day, in the 60s, whenever it was, I heard it either off a radio, came off a vinyl into a something that broadcast it into my analog radio in my car, and it sounded great. Now when you hear it through, uh, go to Sirius FM and try to imagine yourself listening to a Fisher-Price record player, <laughs> and you'll be right in the groove. The solution is not more stuff or high-end audio. The solution is something everybody can hear that's available to everyone. And that just means playback has to be improved on the phones. People have to be able to uh, accept the fact that if they use wireless phones, that they're not gonna have the same quality if they used a wire. Because you have to go through more technology to get there. You have to, you have to uh, decode it and encode it to get in and out of those devices. And that's, that's the problem. Are you two still pushing the industry? I mean, obviously with Pono, you, you tried really hard to push the industry, obviously with Extreme uh, and now your site, you're trying to push the industry. But are you still out there making the argument to these executives? Well, as a matter of fact, we're making the argument right now uh, to all the record companies that they're living in the past. They're trying to charge more for quality. Digital is a, has made it possible to have many different levels of quality. So bean counters, in their ultimate ignorance of quality, have nothing to do other than put different prices on different levels of quality. So they price real quality out of the market. For instance, my own record company has supplied masters that they downgraded to half of the quality 
because they think that people should pay more for the higher quality. So the end result is when Cobuzz plays one of my songs, it's half as good as it could be because Warner Brothers gave them a piece of crap compared to what I made. They gave them a 96, I, I made a, 90, a 192. The bean counter said, that's too cheap. That's error. It's too expensive for 192. Well, wait a minute. Why not just give the people one price and let the people decide what they want to hear? Let the people buy the song, not the technology. Bits don't cost money, okay? If you get 192, which is the highest, or 384 in your dreams, then you, 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 get, you get that and you have a chance at hearing that if everything else in your chain is good. But why should you not hear it because it costs more? It's an elitist piece of shit. You, you really need to get it so that everything is good or people pay the same price for an MP3 as they pay for a 192 of the same song. It's the same piece of music. Paying more for quality is just a bean counter wank, okay? What they've done is downgraded it so no one hears quality anymore because they think that quality should sound more, should cost more. It, it, it shouldn't cost more. It should all be the same price and let the people decide what they want to hear. We don't have that today. We don't have that kind of freedom. The freedom's been taken away from us by the bean counters, the record companies, everybody following these, these uh, uh, people telling them what to do that doesn't have anything to do with the end experience. All the time when I grew up, everybody heard the same quality. There was no difference. Okay, granted, a cassette will have more surface noise than an album. So if you, that's the difference, okay? If you had a cassette, it had more surface noise. But if you turn it up really loud, the music would come blasting through and you'd hear all of the music. And then when the music was over, you'd hear a shh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's too fucking bad. But that's, that's it. At least you heard the music while you were blasting it and it was great. You know, it's hard to understand that everybody had the kind of quality that I'm just trying to get anybody to hear today. Everybody had it, now nobody has it. That's the reality. I don't care how many bells and whistles, how many special chords, how many uh, D to A converters you have in line, all of that crap, it's no good. I'm sorry. So I'm the wrong guy to ask. You should just erase everything and not hear it. Not no way. This was a privilege. It is, <laughs> it is a unique perspective. In, in our time, and I'm, I'm happy to have heard. Well, I was there, and my friends were there, and we made these records, and we know what the fuck they sound like, okay? And you guys, in today's world, you're missing it. It's unfortunate. I wish I could tell you how to do it, but you need a time machine, apparently. All right, I have taken up way too much of your time. This was uh, truly an honor and a really fun conversation. I hope more people listen to you about this stuff. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> uh, Phil Baker, thank you for joining us as well. Okay, sure, thanks. thank you. What? Hey, quick, you got to plug the book. This is like this is why you're here. Tell them about the book real quick. Yeah, well, Neil and I sat down and wrote a book. I was working with Neil on the Pono, and I saw how how anxious he was about the quality of music. And you know, <clears throat> I'm a technologist, and I didn't know, and you know, I learned a lot from Neil. And I wanted to tell the story about what he believed in. And over the time of my developing the Pono with, with our team, 
I was able to tell the difference. There was no issue about not being able to tell. My friends were able to tell. You know, it was so obvious once we heard good music. So the purpose of the book called To Feel the Music is to articulate what Neil believed in, what he felt, and it's also to tell the story of what it takes to start up a, a um, small company with a hardware product and develop it and take it into manufacturing and then deal with the technology websites that some of them, not, not The Verge, but a few others, made fun of what we were doing. And um, But it, it's a, I think it's a really interesting story for anybody that's in the hardware business wants to do a hardware product, what they come up against, some of the issues. So it's really two stories in one. It's about what's happened to the quality of music and Neil's words and what it takes to build a company and a product, in my words. Well, that sounds very interesting. It's available now? It's available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. It's called To Feel the Music by Neil Young and Phil Baker. And the good news is that books cannot be degraded in quality by going over digital services. So. Some of the image quality is, uh, could be better. Of course it is. <laughs> oh, I walked right into that one. No, no. But <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we'll have you back soon. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. It was great talking with you, Neelai. Thanks a lot. Okay, my thanks to Neil Young and Phil Baker. You can check out their book, To Feel the Music. It's out now. It's a fun read. We'll be back later this week with the chat show, then on Tuesday with the interview show, and on and on we go. Love your feedback. Please tweet at me. I'm at Reckless. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.